following message is from New Life Gillette series, Wilderness Life. This week, Pastor Mike presents part two of this series. Well, good morning. Let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online, to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, and to those of you who are here in the room. We are in a series right now called Wilderness Life. Um, my wife, Darcy, is uh, from a very, very tiny town called Sharon Springs, Kansas. You've never heard of it. It is right on the Colorado border, and it is tiny. I mean, tiny to the extent that they don't have stuff. There, there's not restaurants, and they have a grocery store, they call it, but it's more like a little general store, and there's just nothing going on. And so the center of this community is the table. They are like the definition of a table community. And the highlight, the big pinnacle of a table community is Christmas. Like everything leads up to and everything's a wannabe Christmas. All the other holidays are wannabe Christmases because Christmas is the big deal. Well, Darcy's mom, Kathy, was the queen of Christmas. I mean, all the decorations, nine gazillion trees around the house, and we all gained 55 pounds because she was an unbelievable cook. I mean, Christmas was the deal. So we'd go home for Christmas, and um, that was just kind of amazing. Too much food. Well, one Christmas was actually the, the Christmas that Darcy and I got married. We went home to Sharon Springs for Christmas vacation, and and we get there, it was kind of a harder Christmas because Darcy's sister was in the middle of a really bad divorce. And so we're kind of strolling through that. And then we have Christmas and the craziest thing happens. Darcy's child at home catches fire. We're over at Darcy's grandma house, grandma's house and an electrical thing happens and the house catches fire. So one of the neighbors calls and says, get home. There's no fire department really in Sharon Springs, Kansas. So a bunch of volunteers pitch in and try to help put up the fire. We're running into the house to try to pull out our Christmas presents that we've all just opened. And um, I lost my brand new drill that I was so excited about, burnt up in the fire. And um, it was not exactly the ideal Christmas. The day after Christmas, we're all smoke inhalation, sick, wearing other people's clothing, staying at neighbor's house, not what you picture for a Christmas. Well, the next Christmas wasn't that much better because in 2009, we go home for Christmas and Darcy's mom, Kathy, is really sick. So she's not able to pull off the normal Christmas um, we're in, they're in a rental house by this time and not able to do a lot of what they normally would do. And she's not able to cook a lot because she's sick and they're not sure why. A month after Christmas, they actually found out that Darcy's mom had stage four ovarian cancer. And a couple months later on Mother's Day, Darcy's mom passes away. And there was just a three-year period where it was every time we would go home to Sharon Springs some terrible news, something terrible would happen. And it was just like the family was getting hit by one thing after another thing. And we're just asking, God, what, what are you doing? So this has got to stop. It's in these seasons of our life that we usually ask the question, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen? I mean, you've asked the question, 
And when you asked the question, it wasn't because you didn't get the parking lot spot you wanted at Walmart. It wasn't because you missed the elk. Oh, maybe there's a few of you that it's that important to, but it, it, it was something life. It was somebody died or somebody left you or a relationship was broken. Or something big happens and you start asking this question. Maybe you're not there today. There's a good chance that a significant portion of you are not asking that question today. Things are fine. It's warm outside and so you're okay. And that's why when you came in today, you were handed this card. Because here's my invitation to you. We're going to fill in the blanks on this card through this message and I would like for you to save this somewhere so that when that time comes and that wilderness season is going to come, you can pull this out and read through what we talked about today. There's just some reminders on here, some truths from scripture that I believe can help you because they've helped me through difficult seasons like this. And one of the most helpful things to me when, we go th- when I go through seasons like this in my life is to remember that God can relate. That God's been there because it's tempting in our pain to point the finger at God, right? To blame God, to be angry at God for what we are experiencing. But I have to remind myself on a regular basis, this isn't God's fault. We caused this pain. I made a dumb mistake. I sinned in some way. I made a bad decision. That caused pain. Or somebody else around me, somebody I care about or somebody I don't even know made a dumb decision and it caused my pain. Or even if we have to point the finger all the way back to Adam and Eve who sinned in the beginning and caused pain and death to enter into the world, it is not God who caused your pain. It is sinful people that caused your pain. And sinful people caused God's pain caused Jesus pain. They killed Jesus on a cross. And while Jesus is hanging on the cross at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. The weight of the world's sin has been placed on Jesus's shoulders. And he is now covered in the filth of our sin, so much so that his heavenly father cannot be with him as he usually is, cannot look on him as he usually does. A separation has occurred between father and a son that is terrible to look at. The Greek word here for called out is anibosin, to shout or to scream. In this moment, we have Jesus nailed on a cross, screaming at God the Father, Eli, Eli, lamas the bakhtenai, shouting in terror, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God! My God, why have you abandoned me? You see, Jesus spent his life in intimate fellowship, in an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. The type of relationship all of us want to have with God, Jesus has lived his life in this relationship. And it has given him strength to do what none of us can do, to live a life, a perfect life without sin. 
His fellowship with his father is what gave him strength to do what none of us have ever been able to do. Yet now, in his moment of greatest pain, his father has abandoned him. This is what Jesus takes on on the cross for us. This is what Jesus experiences on the cross for us. The Greek word for abandoned here is enkatalipsis, to leave behind in some place. To leave behind, and think about it. Jesus has been abandoned by not just his heavenly father, but just about everyone. Judas betrays him. Peter, one of his closest friends, denies him. The disciples can't stay awake to pray with him. People that he loves, his potential children, have tortured him and are killing him. The crowds shouting, crucify him. If you've experienced rejection, you know that rejection is one of life's greatest pains. Because Jesus wasn't screaming from the torture. Jesus in this moment is screaming because of the pain of rejection. The pain of abandonment. Have you ever been rejected? Maybe by a girl you liked and you asked her out and she said no. Maybe by a friend that, that you wanted to get connected with and it didn't work out. By you go to the boss and ask for a raise or for a promotion, you get rejected. You, rejection is painful, especially when it comes from a parent. Is there anything worse than that? The separation of a child and a parent? This is why at New Life, we regularly say, come as you are. There is no rejection here. When you feel like God has abandoned you, come as you are should remind you that no, never will God abandon you. Never will God lead you. You should know that right now God is with you in your pain, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, God is with you in your pain. If you are a child of God, he is always with you. Jesus was abandoned by God the Father, so we would never have to be. Jesus was abandoned by God the Father, so we would never have to be. Sin causes pain. Whether it's your sin or someone else's sin, it was sin that caused your pain, not God. So when you are hurting and you are tempted to try to look to something else, to comfort you in your pain or to escape the pain. Maybe you're tempted to look to a relationship. Maybe you're tempted to, to cover up the pain by an inappropriate relationship or maybe just too much of a relationship. Maybe you're tempted to cover up your pain with a drug or alcohol or, 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 or buying things or vacation or a hobby. A lot of us, I think, get an endorphin rush when we, if I can just spend enough, if I can just buy the right stuff or have the right toys, 
then I'll be okay. I'll just stay busy enough with my stuff. God says, don't turn to those things. Turn to me. Run to me. Hebrews says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. In other words, he's saying, you're tempted to use money as a way of looking for comfort. Don't go to comfort. Don't go to money for comfort. He says, I should be your comfort. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. We don't have to shout, why have you abandoned me like Jesus did? Because Jesus went there for us. Now we get to shout, never, never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. In your pain, don't run away from God. Run to God. And you don't have to run far because he's right here. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for him to be sitting with you in this very room, in this very moment. He is right here. I will never abandon you, he says. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You may feel alone, but God is with you. You may be in pain, but God is with you. You may feel abandoned, but God is with you. You may not understand. You may not know what is coming next, but God is with you. So ask him. Take your hard questions to God. Don't run away from him. Go to him and ask him the hard questions. Sometimes when my kids have hard questions and they come up and ask me a really hard question, I say, go ask your mom. And then they go ask mom and she says, go ask your dad. And we send them back and forth. This is not what God does with us. God says, come to me. Come on, let's talk. Bring your hard questions. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do. He's been there. He can relate to your pain. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly with our hard questions to the throne of our gracious, gentle, compassionate God. Go to God with your bold questions. God, why did this have to happen? God, why did she die? God, why didn't I get the job? Why the divorce? Why the cancer? Why the wars? Why the slavery? Why the pain? Why didn't you intervene? Why, God? Go to him with your questions. And every time, here's what will happen. There there we will receive his mercy. In other words, he'll understand. Yeah, it may be a silly question from God's like a little kid asking a parent a silly question. But in your question, he has mercy and he will find grace to help us when we need it most. I believe that if we will honestly bring our hard, bold questions to God, that he will give us supernatural peace. There's, a, there's some times in our world where we see people enjoying pain. What do we think when we see that? Probably a crazy person enjoys pain. Now, all of us, to some extent, enjoy 
some pain, right? My wife's a runner. She's nuts. She goes running and she comes back and she looks not like herself. I'm like, why did you run so hard? I love the feeling. (sighs) I'm like, you're stupid. That's not okay. You shouldn't enjoy this pain. She loves it. Why? Well, because that pain specifically has good results. It's developing something in her. But there are other times in our world where people enjoy other pain that is not quite so helpful. That's not quite so good. And we look at these people and we say, you're just a crazy person. You should not enjoy inflicting that pain on yourself. Well, the Apostle Paul said something similar to this. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. That running pain, it helps Darcy develop endurance. And why do we rejoice? It's not because we're crazy, although we probably look crazy sometimes to the outside world. It's because we know something that they don't. It's because we know that endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And the hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Supernatural peace. We know that this life is more than just this chapter we are in. So our peace goes beyond the chapter that we're in. Our peace goes beyond our ability to understand in our pain, to be able to understand in the middle of what's going on, I recognize that there's more coming, that there's better things coming. So he will give us hope and he will help us persevere. We can persevere because we know that this season is part of your story, not the entire story. It's a chapter. Yes, you're struggling, but the struggle is going to make you better. It's going to develop something good in you. And it is going to be a testimony that God uses for good. It's going to be a story that you tell someday. Your pain is going to be a story that you tell someday. Jesus died. But that was not the whole story. Jesus died, but his death was only part of the story because on the third day, he rose. The story goes on. So the death is a testimony. The resurrection is a testimony and God works all things for good. Now we see things imperfectly. In the middle of our pain, in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the chapter, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Anybody else looking forward to that aha moment in heaven? I cannot wait for that day where I look back on all the questions I had. And my, my list of questions that I want to ask God when I die is growing quite a bit. I need that aha moment when I will see everything 
perfectly clearly. But until that comes, there's a lot of questions. What you're experiencing is a chapter in your autobiography. It's not the whole book. But someday we will be able to look back on the pain that we went through and all the good things that we went through and we'll be able to look back from heaven and see how God worked it all together, every bit of it together for good. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. You're gonna know like God knows So don't let a chapter in your story define your entire story. Let it build you. Let it be part of your story. Let it be part of your testimony. But don't hold on to a pain. Don't dwell on a pain. Don't allow it to make you angry and bitter. Allow it to make you better. God knows you so well, more than you know yourself. So much so that he knows your future. He knows what's coming and he can allow you to experience pain because he knows what it will produce. He knows what what good will come of it. Those of us who have been through pain in our lives know that pain can be a great teacher. So we ask, God, what do you want to teach me in this? I've learned that if I want out of a season of pain, I need to learn the lesson fast. If pain is meant to teach me, I want to be a quick learner. I'm not going to keep making the same mistakes. I'm not going to keep going back to the same things that caused the pain in the first place. I'm going to learn my lesson. Let's learn the lessons. Even though Jesus was God's son. He learned. You know, Jesus learned things. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Not everybody, not all theologians agree with me on this one. But I don't think that Jesus was born with all the knowledge that he needed to do everything that he needed to do. I believe Jesus limited himself. So he spent years. You know, there's a big chunk of Jesus's life that we know nothing about. He's like a kid and then a little glimpse in the middle of his life. And then he's like 30. We're like, what, where, what happened before this season? See, Jesus spent years learning and maturing and growing. And in that season, he dealt with pain. He had struggles. He had acne. He had body odor. He had relationship problems. Jesus lived a life. You know that? And out of everything that he lived, he learned and he grew. And because of the close relationship that he had with his heavenly father through that process, he never sinned, but he did definitely have pain. And he grew. So we say, hey, God, what is the purpose in this pain? What do I need to learn from it? Jesus isn't the only example we have of this in Scripture. Did you know that 
Paul says he had a thorn in his flesh. Now, I'm a little frustrated with him because he didn't go on to elaborate and tell us what was the thorn in your flesh. Never tells us. All kinds of people have made guesses at what this is. Maybe it's some illness or a relationship issue that he had. A lot of people think that maybe it was a sin temptation that he struggled with. I have a different theory. I think that the thorn in Paul's flesh was that he was not picked to be the 12th apostle. Judas betrays Jesus. He dies. They got to pick the 12th, right? How do they do it? They cast lots. They roll dice. And they pick the new 12th apostle. It wasn't Paul. Paul wasn't picked. And Paul says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. And Paul says this multiple times in his writings. He's, he's saying, Jesus spoke to me just like he spoke to the 12. I, I've learned the same way. I fit the qualifications to be an apostle. But, he says, so to keep me from becoming proud. The pain has a purpose. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. What would have made him proud? A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. He's saying, hey, I wanted to be that 12th. But you know what? I think I would have become proud if I would have been one of the 12. And I would not have been as successful. I would not have, got, have accomplished as much in my ministry if I would have been proud. It felt like rejection from God when it happened, but it was actually God doing something in me. It was actually God developing me. So on our bad days, we learn to steward our pain well. So God, don't let me miss what you're doing in me. Don't let me miss what you're developing me in me. Because he's making me. He's building me. He's maturing me. I'm becoming something that I wasn't. I'm being sanctified. In Jesus' worst pain, God was glorified. How was he glorified? You're in his family. We are forgiven. You are given the option of new life, of eternal life, because of Jesus' pain. There is purpose in pain. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So how do we persevere? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We focus on things above, not on things below. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross because he could see what was coming. He could see what it was producing. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus could persevere the cross because he knew the mission and because he loves you. Because he saw your potential. Because he saw what it would look like for you to be adopted into his family. He could see the future. And he was willing to sacrifice for it. 
You know, often in our lives, our greatest pain can reveal our greatest ministry. If you want to know your calling in life, reflect on your pain. Reflect on your mistakes. Reflect on what it produced in you. Reflect on how others have hurt you and what it taught you. If you want to know your calling in life, think about the pain that you've experienced in your life and how has God used it. That'll teach you. Our, our pain can reveal our calling. You know, God doesn't usually cause our pain, but he always has a way of using it to lead us to our calling. So in the story, Jesus has just screamed about God the Father rejecting him, abandoning him. Then he says this. He shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Father, I don't like it. Father, it's painful, but I trust you. Take me, Lord. I want to be used by you. It's not easy, but I trust you. It hurts, but I trust you. Don't let your pain lead you away from God. Make your pain lead you to God. That may not come naturally. That may not come easily. But make your pain lead you to God. That's called faith. It's not an emotion. We don't do it because it's easy. In your pain, force it to lead you to God. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. With a resounding yes. Jesus is a yes God. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Our yes ascends to God for his glory. Jesus was asked to go to the cross and he said yes. In his faith, in his trust, he said yes. And because he had greater knowledge of what was coming and because he had incredible faith, he said yes. God, it's not easy, but I trust you and I love them. So yes. Will you say yes in your pain? Yes, God, I don't get it. I don't like it, but yes, God. So I told you earlier the story of my father-in-law who had experienced three years of even more pain than I can tell you about. And all of us were kind of watching this, wondering what's, what's this going to do to him? How's he going to survive this? And to this day, I can tell you that he is the strongest man I have ever known in my entire life. His pain drove him to God, not away from God. He reflected on the incredible testimony of my mother-in-law who, who through all of this stayed faithful to God and continued to pray and continued to thank God. And it drove him to God. And as a result... His life is a testimony for us who in our weakness, in our pain, need strength and can draw strength 
from his example. His life today is an incredible testimony of God's goodness, of God's peace, of God's mercies that are new every morning. His life is a testimony. And I've not to this day had to experience the level of pain that he's had to experience. But I pray that when I do, I can draw near to God and God will strengthen me like he strengthened him. Will your life be that testimony? Draw near to God and say yes to him. God, I thank you for your love and for your grace. God, in this moment, there's somebody here who's been running from God or resisting you. And I pray that right now you would open their hearts to you in a new way. In even an emotional way. God, give them peace. Reveal your incredible mercy and grace to them.